0: Hey folks, before I start, I just want to say, I at the end of the show, I credit TJ Adreno with the music, and he does all my normal music, and I usually use his transitions, but in today's episode, you're going to hear, at one point, you're going to hear a clip of the song White Fire, and White Fire is done by the British group Limelight. So if you hear that, that's what you're hearing, Limelight's White Fire, Maybe I'll talk about the movie associated with that in a later episode because, well, when we talk about bad movies, or good bad movies, or I, I don't know, you know, the, that kind of genre, White Fire is probably the king of that genre. But that's a tale for another day. Let's get on with the show.
1: What pops up the beer or a cold libation? Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from Brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I asked him, what you got? He said, I'll start with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn, fighting fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I let the box come on, contest and the push. You know, it's all about games. That's a slow let's just start with the name. It's the
2: nerd. With the
0: other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Have a fun show for you today. We've got some interesting calls. We have an unboxing, and I'm going to give you a session recap of Joe Salvador's Reaver, the upcoming sword and sorcery game by Raven Guy Games. I've been in some other games, and we've had some interesting things happen, but nothing earth-shattering, nothing I really need to cover on the podcast. I'm not going to be giving summaries and recaps of every single game I play in on the podcast. I I think it defeats the purpose, and it, it really eats up a lot of time. There are a lot of other podcasts you can go to if you just want to hear game summaries, but... As far as the Reaver game, I've been doing that since the beginning, so I want to keep doing that and keep giving you those gaming recaps. So I'll do that. But I'm having a lot of fun in the other games I'm playing in, without a doubt. Um, although I have found that Pathfinder and Pathfinder 2, the various things you do in downtime, like crafting, and then the mini game of your character creation, and the mini game of leveling up and perfecting your build and all that are not things I enjoy, not saying they're bad, not saying it's other people really like them, which is great. They're just not things that Jason enjoys. So, but you know, everybody's a little bit different and that's okay. Um, I'm having a lot of fun in those games. Joe Richter, who's doing the Wrath of the Righteous game that I'm playing in, he's GMing it. He's doing a really good job of probing and asking questions and pulling out motivations and making us think about our backstories and and why our characters are doing what we're doing, which is great. So, just, just having a lot of fun. And, of course, Carwater, I guess, always does a great job. Uh, but, Reaver, let me talk about the most recent session. I'll keep this quick because we have quite a few calls. The This is the 10th session of Reaver, and this is Redstone and Ruta Bringe. So, our heroes have traveled. They're traveling back now to the homeland of Asgol, the Shaman having left the Laszlo's, and Laszlo was just recently given land by the Baron. So in last session, they had uncovered a plot by another Baron against their Baron, but this is a a ally, the chieftain here in, in this village of Redstone is the ally to our Baron. So we get to the village. Before we hit the village, we find some muddy tracks, of an unusually big boar, like a a boar the size of a horse, as well as some other boars, um, normal-sized boars. So we we get into the town, and although there is some talk about maybe trying to, you you know, assert themselves against our baron to change their status, their chieftain uh, counsels against that because they've grown rich under the barony because they have the mines— and they've done very well and he wants to support the current baron or at least that's what he's saying we, we were welcomed w- with honors um some of the other people we had fought with before to bring the the old baron's body back vouched for us they were from this village the other interesting thing is Asgold, our shamans found out he's from this village his mother came in and identified herself to him he didn't know his family was here I guess through the shame and training he went through, he forgot about his past, but it all came back to him. So there's a a session where, he, so he found out about his past. He found out his father was actually killed by this giant boar. Um, and his brother worked, his brother, I think works in the mines or blacksmith. I forget, but he had, but he met his, his brother and his mother and, and they welcomed him back and talking to the chieftain Brutus, my character is now. Now that Laszlo has landed, he's Carl Laszlo. He Brutus is kind of a subordinate. He's always that kind of. He's not a leader per se. So he's now decided that Laszlo's his new boss. So Brutus is acting like Laszlo's the boss. He's deferring to him. He's a when they show up. Brutus announces Laszlo's presence, things like that. Well, when the giant boars mentioned, the chieftain was talking about how it. Killed a number of the warriors, and and so Brutus said that, oh well, Laszlo can surely defeat this thing, and Laszlo's like, oh yes, of course I can. So we ended up going to hunt this boar, and we tracked it, and it took us a a day to do so. We had to, we we tracked it a full day. We made camp. We found a good place to make camp on a on a rock outcrop, overseeing a section of the the forest, about twenty feet over a section of the woodland, and around midnight 1 a.m. we heard it coming through the 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 trees the crashing of the limbs and whatnot and it came into an opening and a couple of us uh, Laszlo I'm not not Laszlo but Brutus and Asgold shot it uh, Brutus of course has the Reaper which is a heavy crossbow they damaged it it squeals runs off the next morning we tracked it we tracked the blood trail we finally track it to a cave we goad it to come out of the cave. We do battle with it. It injures one of the townsmen who had fought with us before it came with us, Eigold. Um, he was injured pretty badly. Uh, Laszlo took some damage, and Brutus was injured pretty severely um, from 10, 13 hit points down to three hit points. But we, we do finally manage to succeed and defeat it. The killing blow dealt by Asgold, which is fitting since it had killed Asgold's father. There were also some, this beast, not only is unusual size, it also gave corruption when it hit. And there were potentially, I I think Asgold saw some evil, evil runes marked around the cave where it was hiding. So next session we'll need to investigate that cave and then bring the carcass back to town to show we killed it. But, the oh, the other thing, when Laszlo asked the chieftain, what would we get for killing this thing, they had talked about setting up a, a temple and letting Asgold be like the local, I, I don't know, local shaman, witch doctor, or priest, whatever, for this area. And, and the chieftain was very appreciative and interested in doing that, building a, a small temple or shrine or something for him. So that that's interesting. Now... As Skull is still doing his walkabout phase so he wouldn't do that right away, but it, maybe they would build that while he it, when he, so he'd be ready when he comes back. But all in all is a great session. The combat system works really well. They've done some adjustments to it and it it works very, very well. There's an action economy. not only is there a dice chain but a, a good tracking where it allows you to do multiple actions but with diminishing returns. So, all in all is a great session, lots of fun. And I look forward to the next one. Before we move on to the calls, I just want to give a final plug for my February contest. It, you have till the end of February, which is 28 February at midnight Eastern Time to call in. I'd like you to call me and tell me your three favorite RPGs and a little bit on why they're your favorite RPGs. You can leave a message on Anchor, you can send an email to nerdsrpgvarietycast@gmail.com. If you attach an audio file to that email, I'll play it on the air, make you famous. You can reach out to me on Discord. If you send it by just a regular text message or regular email, I'll read it on the air. If you send me audio file, I'll play your message on the air. I will pick a random winner from all the entries. The winner will get a $20 drive-thru RPG gift certificate, and I'll donate $20 to the charity of their choice. So it's a win-win situation. Get those entries in, folks.
1: Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke, by your spouse, but the operator's scream is coming from inside the house.
2: Morning, Jason. This is Taylor over at Cleric Square Ring Mail. I appreciate your effort not to put words in my mouth, So, in the absence of words, I will take some out of my mouth from an old episode of my podcast and put them back in here. In the episode where we were having the conversation about spells per day, scrolls, and magic items feeling more magical, (laughs) uh, I postulated the question to the user. Do you, the listener, know more about AD&D than I do? Uh, Yes, yes, you do. That was tongue-in-cheek. But it's also true, I have played very little AD&D compared to other OSR-type systems. Experience aside, the core argument that I had in my call-ins, you were able to address and answer, which I appreciate. You confirmed for me that, is my character and personality being assigned? Yes. Yes, it is. Rules as written, AD&D. If I play my fighter as a swashbuckler, I can do that. But if that is inappropriate to the dungeon master's perspective on what a fighter should be, the system will sideline that character for a slightly more extended period of time using the training rules until I learn how to play the character better. To speak to gatekeeping, uh, (laughs) I may have some bad news for you, my man. Uh, You mentioned everyone is welcome at your table. That is, so long as they are respectful to the other players. Absolutely, 100%. But you are playing AD&D, rules as written, and by playing, a player must accept the core tenets of the system. And uh, if they don't like that, they're welcome to run their own game or find a different game to play in. And similarly, in MW's call-in, I hate to keep picking on him, but he keeps calling in, defending it, so I guess we're just having a discussion. He literally kicked a player from the table because they did not adhere to those core tenets in a way that paralleled the experience he was trying to have at the table. That is literally the definition of gatekeeping. But with that in mind, that's also exactly why gatekeeping is a good thing. You know the game that you wanna play, I know the game that I enjoy, and if I sit down, I'm going to have a miserable time, or I'm gonna make you miserable by screwing up what you're trying to accomplish. I have effectively been gatekept from your AD&D game and from MW's table. That's a good thing. That means I'm not wasting your time, you're not wasting mine, and then we can all stay friends playing other games. Fun conversation. I'm enjoying hearing everyone's diverse perspectives, and I'm uh, having fun seeing if those perspectives can have an impact on how I see the game and what uh, what perspective I'm trying to bring to the table. At the same time, delve on, my man, and peace out.
0: Of course, that was Taylor from the Clericswear Ringmail Media Empire. Thank you for the calls, Taylor. I really appreciate it. Taylor's got a busy life right now. Just had his third child. Congratulations. And, yeah, you can call any time, even on the elliptical there. So, as far as gatekeeping goes, I, I don't know. We, we, we can maybe agree to disagree on this, on the definition of gatekeeping. If, if I show up to a basketball game and I refuse to dribble and I just travel the whole game, I'm just going to hold the ball and, and run without trying to dribble the ball. And somebody stop and the referee doesn't let me do that. Is the referee gatekeeping? You know, the it's ridiculous. But I agree with you, if we're gonna say that's gatekeeping, you know, expecting people to play by the rules, like like you say, well, we're playing, hey everybody, I'm opening up an uh, advanced Legends and Dragons first edition game, rules is written, and somebody comes and doesn't want to play rules is written, is it any different than them showing up to the basketball game and not want to dribble? I MW, of course, can speak for himself. I got the idea that he ejected a disruptive player that was causing problems at the table that that's what I took away from his calls, but I, I might have misunderstood. so I'll let him speak for himself. But honestly, I mean, if somebody wants to try, they're very willing to come to my table like you say. but gatekeeping isn't always a bad thing. One a recent episode of I'm right, You're welcome by Nate Gilbreth. Which, don't tell anybody, but it's a parody podcast. Anyhow, on a recent episode of that podcast, he talks about how he had to eject a player. And it's well worth listening to that particular episode, and I'll link it in the show notes, because he does world building in that episode. And listening to what he's saying there, you know, whether you... just It's just masterful. and And just to hear his mind go as he's he's describing this it's a lot of fun so so, at least to me it was a lot of fun to listen to that but yeah i i hear what you're saying taylor and i agree with you if we're going to use that definition of gatekeeping that's commonly used then yes gatekeeping isn't always a bad thing there are sometimes it's proper to tell people this isn't the game for you that's that's not a bad thing Anyhow, thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it.
1: Yo, Jason, so I don't remember if I've already called in about this, but I totally have Sentinels of the Multiverse, man. That game is really fun. I got it. It was a long time ago. It was back when, yeah, I was seeing this one girl that was really into board games. That was one we picked up. Uh, played it a few times. It was super fun. It's a little tricky for me to play. It takes some time. Some Tools and some tech in order for me to play it, but it was really fun. And it's cool you have a bunch of different (laughs) versions of the game. Maybe run a new contest, man, where you give away one of your boxes of sentinels. Anyway, dude, awesome stuff! Take it easy. Peace out.
0: Of course, that was Joe Richter of the Hindsightless Podcast. Joe, thank you. Yeah, I didn't know you were into that game, man. It's a fun game. I can definitely see where it'd be difficult because, like I mentioned, it was fiddly and you, you definitely need trackers to track like how long different effects go on and things like that, whether you use beads or you use dice or or whatever you use to track that. But, but it's definitely a a lot of fun. I'd recommend people check it out. And if you play it on like your phone, you can get the app on your phone. Obviously the phone takes care of a lot of that stuff, this tracking stuff, but, or, you know, it might not be, you might have to have an iPad to play it. I I don't know. I, it's been a long time. since I've looked at the app, but anyway, yeah, fun game. But speaking of fun things... Let's do an unboxing. I have a box here from the Fulfillment Service. This is 13 inches by 11 inches by 3 inches. Wow. Pretty even box there. So let's see what the Fulfillment Service has sent us. This box has been shipped more than once. It's pretty beat up. Um, But it's doing its job. But you can tell the box has seen better days. We've got ripped up paper in here. Brown paper is our packing material, which is okay. Thanks the job. So this is from... Oh, from Sin Nominee. So, very cool. This is my hardcover, deluxe hardcover, that was printed of Stars Without Number by Kevin Crawford. Very cool. Um, it is very well packed, actually, in bubble wrap. It was inside the other box. So if I can get through the bubble wrap... We will look inside the book here. Um, I got this in World Without Numbers. That was in really good shape and really nice as well. So, yeah. Okay, we got in there. There's no dings or dents in the book. Very good. This is a proper stitched book. Very good. It's got a um, bookmark sewn in there, which is very nice. There's, in the inside covers here, there's a picture of, like, a futuristic city. Um, on the back cover, we have a character sheet, not sure, or you know, in the back inside cover there's a character sheet, I'm not sure how useful that is, but it's there. The pages, oh, that page is kind of stuck together, I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but all in all, it's actually pretty good. The page, it's color inside, pages are a little bit slick, um, lots of art, very nice, Big book, you know, it's, I don't know, 300-some pages, and very cool. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever run Stars out Numbers, but when when I had a chance to get a, a nice printed version of it, I figured I would. I really like Kevin Crawford's games. I like the, the random tables, the things he brings to them, and the fact that his Kickstarters are reliable, and he always does a good job for filling them, so... I like to support businesses that do a good job. Anyhow, that's our unboxing for today.
3: Hey, Jason. It's your boy, Arlen Walker. I am calling in just a little bit about the AD&D ratings discussion, um, which is to say that I had a couple of thoughts after listening to some of your recent episodes. I am going to try to keep this short, but basically my thoughts might be summarized as I think that the ratings – as described, at least from your podcast and from the discussion around them, the this AD&D first edition um, rating system based on how well a player character kind of fulfills their archetype on some level, that seems to me to be a sort of... Um, unnecessary almost double dipping element if that makes sense that it's sort of making explicit what is already done implicitly with the game's mechanics is i guess the way i would describe it that in essence a you know a magic user that tries to behave like a fighter is going to find themselves pretty quickly outclassed by a a true fighter of kind of similar level and similar experience and similar kind of, you know, investment in the character and all that sort of stuff, by which I mean that, you know, uh, an eighth level magic user might be able to kind of hold their own Against like a first level fighter, but that if you're talking about like, you know, uh, a third level fighter and a third level magic user, the magic user is going to have significantly worse armor class and is not going to have access to as high damage weapons and is generally, um, I don't remember exactly how the, um, uh, to hit advancement works in first edition. I'm not as familiar with first edition as second edition in a lot of ways. That's So that's part of it. But that by third level, the fighter probably has a better to hit chance against a, a similar AC enemy than a magic user, at least they do in second edition. Which essentially what I'm saying is that it seems to me that the kind of uh, class-based, the particular class-based structure, especially of... Um, a lot of versions of, of old school D&D, but especially in AD&D, it seems more present in, in 1E and 2 is kind of um, already basically telling the player to stay in their lane, for lack of a better term, that that they're going to be far and away more effective doing what it is that their class is suited for rather than kind of trying to be like a jack of all trades or trying to fulfill sort of another class's role in the the game, um, which is something that obviously different editions have kind of different perspectives on on some level. But I guess what I'm saying is that it seems really unnecessary to like grade a magic user on how well they play being a magic user because the mechanics are already going to push them in that direction. And I will add um, just as a sort of extra layer that i think because the mechanics are sort of pushing the the pcs to fulfill their particular role or archetype on some level not as perhaps not in a way that is quite as definitive as if you you know tell the the player character that they're being a bad thief or a magic user or whatever however you do the the rating system um that i think There is actually a really interesting quality to the moment when, say, the magic user decides that they need to, um, you know, pick up a melee weapon and try to hold the line alongside the fighter for whatever reason, something like that. That's actually kind of a, a, an interesting moment in role playing where the player sort of has to decide that even though they're not going to be particularly effective, they need to do something so much that they have to, to shift their behavior. And that if they know that they're going to be, I guess, depending on how you you kind of phrase it or term it, penalized or rewarded less or however you want to put it, if they essentially know that there's a sort of level of um, kind of uh, optimization, system optimization that um, is suggesting to them not to do that, that you make it kind of less likely for them to um, choose to kind of embrace those Moments that I think are really interesting, you know, when the the character that is not necessarily suited for something, but it, it, you know, the party is depending on them, and so they're going to, you know, go in and and do it just because, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's, um, and that's a, a different kind of gaming philosophy in a lot of ways. But it it seems to me, and this is sort of a general thing that, um, basically that uh the 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 AD and D one e rating system at least has presented is just sort of unnecessary.
0: Hey, Arlen, thank you so much for that call. I think that's a really interesting point. Do the rules, do all the other rules in Advanced Dungeons Dragons 1st Edition do enough to enforce the genre expectations of these classes that we don't need the rating system? I think the answer is yes, because, you know, 80% of the tables never use the rating system. I don't know. I'm just pulling that number out of my fourth point of contact. But we know a ton of people probably didn't use this at all. We know a lot of people never even use training, but even the ones that use training often did like my group and like Minions group did where basically everybody got a one in, you you know, one week kind of thing for training. So I, I think you bring up a really interesting point that the rating really is kind of redundant if you're doing everything else because the classes are already, Sufficiently penalized for acting You know, outside their class that's, that's really interesting Thank you for that call, Arlen I really appreciate it Folks, Arlen has his own podcast Called Live from Pelham's Wasteland Like all my callers The link is in the show notes
3: Baby
1: You're cold as ice Well, I don't believe a
2: word But you were willing to sacrifice
1: When there's no one out there to fight In the white
2: fire, fire. Diamond dancing Santa Claus Such a love affair. I said white fire. white fire Rolling like a thunderbolt Clashing through the wall do you But you
1: Hey, Jason, this is just a random call-in, and I just totally binge-watched every season of Cobra Kai over the last week and a half, maybe. And I have to say, I really didn't want to like it, but I heard you talking about it, and some others, Carl and other uh, some other podcasters talking about it. So I thought I'd check it out, since I still have the Netflix, and, you know, it was good. I do, I really enjoyed it. I have to admit, I enjoyed uh definitely enjoyed the first karate kid and I think I think I remember liking the second karate kid a little and you know even that will smith son remake was okay so it's a great story it's a good story not a great story but it's a good story it's enjoyable and the series now I'm about to run out of time here but I'm going to tell you I really enjoyed the series but I have a few nitpicky things about it that I'm going to relate to dungeons and dragons so this call in um uh, my second call in on Cobra Kai will probably have some spoilers. So spoiler alert if you're listening to Jason's podcast you should stop listening for the rest of my call in. I'm going to give us 2 seconds here. Okay, so you're still here. So uh, don't get mad at me if you hear a spoiler. So here's here are some of my minor complaints about Cobra Kai. And I'm going to relate it to Dungeons and Dragons. This series proves, without a doubt, why the alignment system is so important in Dungeons & Dragons. Because I have to say, the people in this series change their alignment uh, at the flip of a a coin. At the flip of a coin, it's like, in one minute, they're a pair, they're together, they're working together. Next minute, they hate each other. And, um... I just can't take it, honestly. I was like, "What? Who do you even root for in this series?" It's it's very difficult. This just proves my point about Advanced Dungeons and Dragons stories are better when there's clearly someone to root for and someone to be against. Even if you can have sympathy for the one you root against, because that that's modern. That's more modern. You get you delve a little bit into the backgrounds of the evil characters and you have a little sympathy. But at the end of the day. You want to have someone to root for. And there are many times during the Cobra Kai series where I didn't like Danny LaRusso. I thought he was pompous, arrogant, a bad father. He was really awful to Johnny, even though Johnny was trying to change. And vice versa, everybody's awful to everybody. And it had like that sitcom element to it where people just didn't talk frankly. But there were other times, though, when people did talk frankly. So it's not as bad as a sitcom. But it's just, again, no sticking to the alignment. It made it, I, I mean, I was rooting for the, Robbie at, at the uh, end of the last episode. So, like I said, I was rooting for Robbie. I think, that, I think that's the name of, uh, of uh, Johnny's son. And I was rooting for him, and then here's why I was rooting for him. I, I, because every character was so flawed, and at times you really liked them, or at times you really didn't, li- didn't like them. I was just rooting for Robbie because I felt he was the best fighter. And I'm like – and I was rooting for the girl from Cobra Cry too. I'm glad she won too. I'm glad La Russa's daughter lost. At the end, the only thing me as someone who's interested in athletics and sports, I just decided I want to root for the best one. So I hope the best fighters win to make it more realistic. And I, I like how it ended. I like that Lip or Hawk did end up winning – be- and, and Robbie hesitated. so I, I get that. I, I could buy into that. I wasn't like mad about it, but I was just rooting for him to win it anyway. And so anyway, that's it. Thanks for getting me hooked on the series. I, I just wish the the writers or you know, knew about alignments, but they don't.
0: Of course, that was MW, the Worlds of MW Lewis podcast. Thank you so much for that call. Yeah, I think nostalgia is a big part of enjoying the series. It definitely has the standard soap opera. CW series thing where, you know, it sets up this kind of high school drama stuff so you'll watch the next season. But a lot of it's, like you say, we we enjoyed Karate Kid back when it came out. You know, the first one, mainly in my case, the sequels definitely were diminishing returns. And you didn't even mention the next Karate Kid from 94 where Hilary Swank trained under Pat Morita. Although we did get to see a, a young... Walton Goggins, and we got to see Michael Ironside in that movie. And anytime we get to see Michael Ironside, it's, it's a good thing, right? I kind of agree with your, you know, your picks there. To be honest, I really like Tori's character, played by Peyton List. I know a lot of people don't like Tori, for whatever reason, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the show, and I'm worried that they're going to dr- keep dragging it out and to get season after season. Of course my favorite character is Johnny in that show. And and the and, but I do think they've now moved away the original purpose of the show when it was on uh, YouTube was we're gonna show it from Johnny's point of view and, and kinda you know there there had been a YouTube video year a few years ago saying, you know, we're looking at the Karate Kid wrong and Daniel's really a bad guy in Karate Kid. And they kinda took that idea and ran with it and i think now the show's kind of gotten away with that or away from that idea a little bit but no fun show thank you for the call really appreciate it okay folks that's it that's all we have for the show today thank you for joining me you can reach out to me and submit your thoughts a bunch of different ways we talked about at the beginning of the podcast please do i love hearing what you think i want to thank all my callers i want to thank tj drennan for the music Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup Clip Art. And of course, I want to thank you, my listeners. So I will talk to you guys next time.
1: A joke put by your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box?
0: Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head. And the
1: only question left is if I'll see him dead. Bring on the gold bring on the goal. There is a dustbin in your moilers by the tipper, and I'm assuming that's your partner the back there in the woods, shipper. Don't
2: look away, don't
1: look away, don't look away, don't
0: look away. Well, the zombies are arising and the world is gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying
2: for the red.